0: Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast, brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we'll be discussing sacred geometry, the basis for creating your very own crystal grids. But before we get started, I'd like to answer a listener question. Remember, you can submit your own question anytime at loveandlightschool.com forward slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Kim K., And Kim says, hi, I'm an esthetician and I'm one who does gentle skincare and love the pampering part of doing facials more than anything. I feel very strongly about helping my clients feel better once they've received their service and walk through my door with a whole new outlook. My question is, I definitely want to start incorporating crystals into my pampering and healing facials. I basically need to use the same crystals on each of my clients, so I would like to know which ones you think are a good start to use generally on everyone for love, healing, combing, etc. Thank you so much for your time. Kim, this is an excellent question, and this is a practice that I see a lot more estheticians starting to do. I think it's a great way to help you sort of stand out and offer something really special to your clients. The work that you do is already so healing for people, I'm sure, and getting to add in a layer of crystal energy to what you're doing will really make it a special experience for people. So, a couple things to consider when you're choosing some crystals for skincare, and this goes for if you're using them professionally, personally, anything like that, you want to make sure that you are choosing crystals that are non-porous. So make sure that they are not porous at all because porous stones of any kind can absorb any product that might be on the skin, can absorb body oils, and can absorb bacteria fungi, that sort of thing, which we don't want. So working with non-porous minerals, things like quartz, rose quartz, amethyst, smoky quartz, all those nice things in the quartz family of stones is a great place to start. And they really, I think, suit what you're looking for. You're looking for some more general stones that can work for just about anyone here Kim love healing um, combing through the aura like cleansing that sort of thing so you could definitely use rose quartz for love green adventuring or smoky quartz for healing amethyst for spiritual connection there's a lot here you can you know incorporate some citrine if you can find some tools that way And if you're going to be using them on your client's bare skin, on their face, that sort of thing, you wanna make sure that you have a really good way To sterilize those crystals. So above and beyond energetic cleansing, you want to physically clean those tools just like you would any of your other esthetician tools. So that's the other reason you want to work with non-porous minerals. You want to work with things that won't be damaged by the types of cleansers that you'll likely need to use to sterilize those tools. Now that said, I have seen some tools that are made out of porous crystals, you really want to avoid those. Things like selenite, not going to be your friend here if they're making direct contact with your client's skin. However, you mentioned combing, and you can use a selenite wand to sort of sweep through your client's aura while you're performing the service, or even before or after. That would be totally fine. So you can feel free to use something like that as long as you are just using it energetically, it's not making contact with the skin. You also want to just double check that using implements in your practice is covered by your insurance and as part of your approved license practice in your location. Not all insurance policies will cover the use of implements in your practice, so just make sure you're covered before you incorporate anything new. The other way that you can use crystals is to have your clients hold them while they're getting this sort of nice pampering that you're offering, or you can even place them on or around your client's body. Kim goes on to ask, what is the best crystal to gift? And I'm guessing maybe this is in relation to your previous question. If you wanted to leave your clients with a little something nice at the end of a session, I highly recommend some rose quartz. It's so gentle. It's so soothing. It's nurturing and supportive and would be great, especially for your clients who've just wrapped up this great sort of self-care session. So I'm sure you can find them at your local rock shop or somewhere online, where you can buy some small tumbled stones in bulk and have them as a nice little gift to give to your clients. Maybe you even put them in a cute little pouch with a little thank you note, a little write-up about the rose quartz and why you've chosen to gift it to them, and maybe even suggest one way that they can work with that crystal themselves at home. Kim's final question is, Does most everyone use the same crystals, basically? This is a good question, and I think there are definitely some that are very popular and more widely commercially available. Things like amethyst, black tourmaline, selenite, clear quartz, rose quartz, amethyst, all those sort of basics you can find in just about everybody's crystal toolkit. But I know a lot of folks get interested in the more rare, unusual, hard to find, or just really kind of special, unique, different pieces. And that's okay too. Really, I think working with what you feel called to and what you feel most drawn in by, that's really the most important thing to keep in mind when you're choosing crystals for your toolkit. So I hope that is helpful, Kim. Thank you so much for your question today. And if you're listening and you have a question that you'd like me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com forward slash ask. Discover how you can deepen your spiritual journey and follow your soul calling with crystals. The Love and Light School's award-winning crystal healing certification program opens soon Go to crystalhealerschool.com. Now it's time for us to dive into our main topic for today, an introduction to sacred geometry. Sacred geometry describes the concept that there are these certain geometric patterns found in nature that give shape and form and energy to everything in the universe. It's almost like a map of the energetic imprint of everything that makes up both matter and space. Sacred geometry is a really complicated, detailed subject, and it's really hard to deal with in a short amount of time. But hopefully, as we go through some of these common shapes and forms together, it will explain enough about them and their symbolism to help you put sacred geometry to use in your everyday life. So you can use these for things like meditation, making crystal grids, of course, creating your own sacred art, anything you can think of. And if you really wanna get into a detailed history and theory behind how and why sacred geometry works and why it's important and its symbolism, you might wanna check out the Sacred Geometry movie from Spirit Science, which I've linked in this week's blog post. So head over to loveandlightschool.com slash blog and do a search for sacred geometry. You'll be able to find a link to that video by Spirit Science, it's pretty cool. Sacred geometry sort of springs from the examination of different patterns and relationships that are found in nature, and on the surface, That might sound a little dry, a little bit boring, but when we really start to look how just some basic lines and curves and shapes come together to form the universe, like little building blocks, it's like taking this wonderful look into the mind of creation. Because while all matter is made from elements, It's the patterns in these shapes that give matter its form, its purpose, and its astounding diversity. For example, calcite and aragonite and seashells are all made out of the same thing. They're all made out of calcium carbonate, CaCO3. So the earth forms this material into calcite, usually in little sort of squarish or rhombohedral blocks, little crystals, and this happens directly through geological processes. But sea creatures can also take up CaCO3, calcium carbonate, and with the help of patterns recorded in their DNA, they know how to reform it into shells. Eventually, what will happen is those shells decompose, returning their calcium carbonate to the Earth as aragonite, which is a different mineral all together with its own distinctive shape. So aragonite and calcite are actually the exact same material, they have the same chemical formula, but each has its own shape or structure. In other words, they're the same substance, it's just the pattern and arrangement of their molecules is different, which is really pretty cool. So let's break down some of the most common shapes and forms that are important when we're learning about sacred geometry. Let's start with the flower of life. The flower of life is made up of 19 different intersecting circles inside of one larger circle. And it's said that all other sacred patterns can be found somewhere within it. And as we go through these shapes and patterns, I invite you again to head over to this week's blog post, loveandlightschool.com slash blog so that you can actually see all these shapes as we go through them together and get an idea of what they look like and sort of what stands out about them to you, what they might mean to you. So the Fibonacci Spiral and many other forms and patterns we talk about in sacred geometry arise from the flower of life. Like I said, they can all be found somewhere within there. And the flower of life is seen as the basis for all other patterns in the universe. This shape, along with many of the others derived from it, play a key role in Kabbalah, a mystical tradition within Judaism. Though many of these shapes also have significance in other cultures across the globe. And this is one of the most interesting things. We see these shapes repeated over and over and over in art, in spirituality, in nature. There is something inherent about the energy of these shapes that draws us in and helps us sort of feel connected to the whole. So the study of sacred geometry really begins by drawing some circles. So two intersecting circles form a shape known as the vesica piscis, meaning fish bladder or vessel of the fish, which is seen in the chalice well symbol of Avalon in Glastonbury. Some see this symbol as more feminine or as a symbol of the mother goddess because its center sort of resembles the shape of a vulva where the two circles overlap. But these symbols are so much bigger than the gendered binary sort of allows us to experience. So even though some of the language around these symbols may indicate masculine or feminine, we really need to consider the bigger picture of wholeness that's created by these shapes. So we just looked at two circles coming together, but what happens when we add a third? where three different circles intersect, we can find the shape of the trichetra, a symbol of sacred trinities. And this is probably most commonly associated with the Celts. So this sacred trinity that we can observe from the three overlapping circles may represent things like the three realms of land, sea, and sky, or a representation of body, mind, and spirit. If we double these three overlapping circles with one group pointing upward and one pointing downwards, we can form the seed of life, which is also called the Genesis pattern. So here we have six intersecting circles signifying the six stages of creation. Now if we take this seed of life and we imagine that it is three-dimensional with that center circle becoming a sphere, we see one on the front, one on the back, and a ring of six around, we get the egg of life shape. So taking that seed of life into three dimensions from two. So this egg of life is composed of eight non-intersecting spheres, and it can represent the cell division of an embryo. So all humans at some point start out in this shape, the shape of the egg of life. Next, we have a really complex shape called Metatron's cube. And in this shape, lines connect the centers of the circles in the fruit of life, where the lines are said to represent masculine energy and the circles are said to represent feminine energy. So this pattern combines these polarities into unified creation. Now, obviously, we can see all these patterns are closely related, and they become more complex as we draw new connections between these circles and lines. So we start with our two circles and then add another to get three and so on, and we can see how these circles begin to intersect and relate So new combinations of circles and lines and three-dimensional images continue to evolve and with each new evolution, we can gain new insights into the meaning of these geometric shapes. So we discussed one three-dimensional shape, the egg of life, but if we keep going on and carrying on with these building blocks, continuing this process, eventually a pretty significant set of three-dimensional shapes will arise. And these are called the platonic solids named for the ancient Greek philosopher Plato, who theorized that all matter and space in the universe could be broken down into one of these shapes. In order for something to be a platonic solid, they have to be three-dimensional shapes in which all faces are the same, all edges are the same length, all angles are the same, And if you put the shape inside a sphere, all of the vertices would touch the outside of the sphere. Another way of sort of looking at these shapes is that they all arise from a cube, and when it's truncated in various ways, these shapes are revealed. For this reason, the cube is considered to be the father of all forms, while the sphere is said to be the mother of all forms. Again, some outdated gendered language here, but we can see that there's a clear duality between the harsh geometry and the sort of endless completeness of the sphere. Now these platonic solid shapes are the building blocks of everything from crystal formation to music to organic life. There are five in total, including the tetrahedron, hexahedron or cube, octahedron, icosahedron, and dodecahedron. The tetrahedron has four sides, four vertices, six edges, and is associated with the color red, the element of fire, and working with it is said to enhance creativity and promote transformation and balance and stability. The hexahedron or cube has six sides, eight vertices, and 12 edges. It's associated with the color green and the earth element, and it's great for grounding, focus, stability, structure, and well-being. The octahedron, as its name implies, has eight sides. It also has six vertices and 12 edges. It's associated with the air element and the color yellow and can be worked with for communication, compassion, healing, and nurturing. The icosahedron has 12 sides, 20 vertices, and 30 edges, It's associated with the water element and the color blue, and it encourages the flow of emotions and of letting go of the past to bring about positive change. It's also great for relaxation, creative thinking, and removing blockages. The final platonic solid shape is the dodecahedron with 20 sides, 12 vertices, and 30 edges. This shape is associated with the element of ether or spirit and with the colors white and purple. And working with this shape can be helpful for connecting with spirit to raise your energy and to connect to your higher self. It's also said to enhance meditation and your overall sense of well-being. There are also a few shapes that sort of fall outside of this that are really important, For example, there's the vector equilibrium, which is a three dimensional shape constructed with triangles and cubes. It's sometimes called the perfect shape because every corner is exactly the same distance from all the other corners. The shape is very, very stable, and it's the basis of a three dimensional rendering of the flower of life, which is pretty cool. We also have pyramids. We know how important pyramids have been throughout human history. They have an amazing preserving and energizing property, likely because the pyramid is such an efficient amplifier of energy. By focusing universal energy, it's said to increase the vibrational field or energy field of whatever's placed inside it, even intangible things like hopes and intentions. And this effect can be enhanced by the pyramid's material, color, and other properties. So this is one reason why pyramids are often constructed of things like copper tubing or wire for use in charging crystals and other objects. You'll even see really large pyramids made of copper that people sit in during meditation and things like that. Finally, there's the Merkaba also known as the star tetrahedron. It's the intersection of two opposing tetrahedrons, one pointing upward and one overlaid, the first pointing downward. The one that points downward is said to bring energy up from the earth, while the one that points upward is said to channel universal energy down into the earth plane. And a person within the energy field of a Merkaba shape might experience this sort of confluence of both types of universal energy. The name Merkaba is often said to combine three Egyptian words: Mer, meaning rotating fields of light; Ka, meaning spirit or the intangible part of our human life; and Ba, meaning the soul or the sum of everything it means to be human. So Merka Ba is said to mean light, spirit, body. Though, I once asked an etymologist about this, and they assured me that this was an absolutely incorrect interpretation of this word, as the word is not Egyptian, it is Hebrew in origin, and it also points to a chariot or vehicle. Therefore, it's likely that it actually refers to some sort of spiritual vehicle or tool for helping to take us on a spiritual journey. So the next time you go to choose a base for your crystal grid, or you're thinking about what sacred geometric shapes to incorporate into your artwork, definitely consider the meaning behind these shapes, the other shapes that can be found within them, and what other shapes they can create when multiplied. Also think about where you see these shapes in nature and what symbolism and energy that brings into your work. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones, to grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning crystal healing certification program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Go to crystalhealerschool.com to learn more. Well, that is it for today's episode. I hope you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com forward slash blog. If you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave me a quick 5-star rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to Love and Light School dot com forward slash listen to find our most popular episodes, most recent episodes and all the places this podcast is streamed online. Be sure to subscribe while you're listening so you never miss a future episode. Today, I want to give a really special shout out to Vanessa Rendell, who left a five star rating and a review. And Vanessa says, if you're passionate about crystals and healing, this is a great podcast to listen to. Very informative and interesting. Worth a listen. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and a review. I'm so grateful. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast, I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at School. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition, prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.